For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. Purpose has become something of a fad and a victim of its own success. That is the premise of a new article from Harvard Business Review titled, What is the Purpose of Purpose? Written by four thought leaders in the space, including a business consultant, an academic, and two C-suite executives, the article surmises that purpose remains a confusing subject and that companies too often struggle to authentically articulate and act on their reason for being beyond turning a profit. To help executive leaders make a sense of purpose and its role in driving business strategy, the article lays out a framework for evaluating three types of purpose and what companies typically get wrong about each one. Anchored in great examples across industry sectors, the piece also presents a five-step process for finding a corporate purpose, including questions to help reach consensus on the most effective definition. As the authors conclude, with so much at stake, getting your purpose right should be one of your most pressing decisions. I am thrilled to welcome two of the authors to discuss their article in more detail. Jonathan Knowles, founder of the strategic advisory firm Type 2 Consulting, and Hannah Groves, a former global CMO of State Street and a non-executive director of Aberdeen. Jonathan, Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank Thanks you so much for having us, Ken. I tell you, your, your article is so well-timed. There are so many questions and opinions about purpose out there. So congratulations on what is truly a, a great article. Jonathan, I want to start with you. Talk a little bit about what prompted the article. I think you've you've kind of nailed it with your introduction, Ken, mm-hmm. that, that it's a confusing topic, and yet uh, we feel it's a really important topic because purpose talks to two things that I think we all care about, particularly as marketers. We care about creating value and creating meaning both for customers and for for consumer for uh, employees but we also care about responsible business and there are a lot of strands woven together and we wanted to unpick those strands uh, because it seems to us that one of the reasons for the polarization of the debate around purpose you're either a purpose believer or you're a purpose denier mm-hmm. and it, the reality is is much more nuanced than that and that's what we wanted to uh, to address in the article Hannah, can you just talk about uh, your genesis of your interest in purpose is this date back um you know well and early into your career or you know along the lines of when you were at state street Yes. So, I mean, I think sort of purpose has been the sort of light motif throughout my career. And, and, you know, you've interviewed many sort of marketing leaders throughout the sort of history of your podcast. And often purpose is inextricably linked with brand. But, you know, the more sort of I got into it, the more I was aware that purpose is a method to sort of align various sort of stakeholder groups within a company, Mm -hmm. but it is not the same as brand. And that increasingly companies were sort of using purpose as a synonym for brand. And I think it really sort of came to a head through work that Jonathan and I had done um, actually at State Street around value proposition, where I was in an industry where financial services like to talk about themselves. They like to be incredibly complex and obfuscate wherever possible. I don't think deliberately, but just given the sort of complexity. Mm -hmm. And for us, it was sort of shifting a company that was describing itself as very old, founded in 1792 Mm -hmm. and very big 
into what it actually does for um, its clients, which is to help them achieve better outcomes. And I think through that, it was also the work that I was doing to try and embed marketing as a business function and not as a sort of, you know, the sort of typical in-house agency mm-hmm. and being as accountable sort of for revenue growth. And so it was a convergence of understanding that purpose is very much rooted in the business and rooted in the business strategy, which was great having Jonathan's lens on that. Mm-hmm. So it has been a constant. And I think the timing of this article was really as we were observing, and you stated it so well in your introduction, a real sort of surge in purpose over the last few years. And and we think some of it is misplaced or misunderstood. Jonathan, uh, as I mentioned at the top, there are four writers listed on the article, which is a little unusual. But talk a little bit about the importance of of having multiple voices and, and the diversity of thought. Yeah, it's a great question. As we began the work on purpose, it seemed to us that there were at least four business agendas Mm -hmm. that purpose spoke to. So you've got the uh, demand generation agenda that the marketing and the sales department are most attuned to. And there have been various books and various people that you've interviewed that are all over that topic, that we we use purpose to appeal to a new generation of consumers that care about responsible business. You've got a second constituency, which is really the HR community about employee engagement. And here's the war for talent. And people want to be proud of the organization they work for and the culture that it has. So that's a second business agenda as as Hannah says. The third business agenda was the emergence of, well, CSR originally morphing into ESG. And now that's become all of the rage. So the the talk around sustainability, but not just uh, sustainability in a net zero sense, it's circular supply chains and all of that. Mm -hmm. So there's a third agenda. And then finally, there's a, you know, do companies do well by doing good? The whole this is a source of alpha, as they as we talk about in the finance community. And so you've got this convergence of these four agendas. And we thought it was as a not just a thought experiment, but to bring in the expertise of people who are absolutely focused on that on each of those agendas. So Hannah focused really on the marketing agenda. We Alison James, who was the CHRO of BIC, sort of covered off the employee agenda, Tom Hunsaker, who's a professor of leadership and and, uh, strategy at the Thunderbird School of Global Management, was really all about the the sustainability and the leadership agenda. And I covered off the the numbers. (laughs) Sure. So Hannah, how did you make it work? How, How did that collaboration work to the mutual benefit of everyone? Well, I mean, so much secret sauce there, Ken, but I think the I think, you know, Jonathan said it very well because we came at it from different points of view, but I think we all have this sort of common sense, probably literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. that purpose was something that was becoming a sort of fad diet and that there was a lot of purpose posturing. In fact, before we really, you know, sort of cemented the article, we would sort of exchange pieces or clips um, from these sort of, 
misty-eyed, um, a lot of Super Bowl ads that seem to be sort of, you know, with great crescendo of music talking about this sort of noble purpose. And not that we were the sort of, you know, council of cynics, but just thinking, are we sort of getting getting a little bit caught up in our own sort of hyperbole? And so we came at it like that. Uh, we had, I guess, the good silver lining of the pandemic that we were able to come together virtually from different parts of the world. And I, I thought it was a great collaboration because we all brought something different to the equation. The other thing, Ken, that I would say is that despite me being a marketing, which I guess could be the sort of definition of the high priestess of hyperbole throughout my career, I think we all brought a degree of pragmatism to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think it is ultimately that pragmatism and that sort of business core to purpose that united us. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, um, we for the most part, were you well aligned as a group in terms of your, your thoughts? No, I think we sense that there was common ground between us because I think we all understand that business is about people. And we're, you know, we dealt with different aspects of, of people, each of us, and sure. what motivates people. So there was that sense that there was a common thread that united us, and yet the pull of the particular objectives of the discipline or the function that we represented you know, often meant that we accentuated certain things beyond, uh, you know, it was most obvious in the marketing realm where, you know, as we put in the article, the idea that um, tobacco companies should, with about, without apparent irony, be talking about making a better world mm-hmm. um, whilst promoting a new generation of smokeless products just seemed to us to be to be something that deserved to be called out, not because we necessarily thought that they were being disingenuous, but they they literally, well, to use Terry Smith's plot about Hellman's mayonnaise, they'd lost the plot, that this was just not credible. And that's really what led to, well, what is purpose, which was, and that was one of the real aha moments. And maybe I'll, I'll say some, something about that, that we saw that, that certain words were being used as if they were synonyms. Mm-hmm. So purpose... North Star, your why, social good, were all used as as though they were synonymous. Mm -hmm. And the biggest aha moment came when we realized that, you know, purpose had three meanings of which North Star or social good was only one. And being able to unpick those threads and say, no, purpose can take three forms. It can take the form of competence, as in when we talk about an object and its purpose, we're talking about its function. When we talk about a person and their purpose, we're talking about their calling and their cause. But there's also the third sense of purpose, which is really about being purposeful, which is intentionality. And teasing apart those three meanings of purpose was really the beginning of beginning to understand why there was so much confusion around this topic. Sure. And I'd love to get uh, to get back into that. Those the three senses. But Han, I want to turn to you now as we start digging into the article. You you have said that purpose is neither prop nor panacea. Mm-hmm. Can you just elaborate on that? I I think just sort of picking up on on Jonathan's points, and particularly if I may, sort of commenting on the sort of use of the term North Star a lot, where purpose mm-hmm. is 
in the conversation. And I think, I think that can be sort of so misleading because there's a sense that automatically what you're looking for is something sort of higher. And as Jonathan described, in our sort of three types of purpose, only mm. one really needs to have that societal cause. But I think particularly with the rise of ESG and a desire for companies to sort of drill down on the S, there is this sort of impetus to become, um, to define a sort of social good where it might be way too much of a stretch. And I think that the purpose movement gets sort of overtaken by either a public relations objective, sure. we need to appear to be better, or a desire to sort of stake out claim via differentiation. And you've covered this very well in your podcast. I was very struck by uh, the interview di you did with the chief purpose officer for Deloitte. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I listened to what he was saying, and it's not a proper panacea with Deloitte because when he described everything from onboarding employees to how they make decisions to their corporate citizenship activities, to the supply chain that uh, Jonathan described, to how much it's embedded in their business strategy, clearly they have a very holistic view and a very sort of pragmatic business-driven approach, which, oh, by the way, also provides a source of differentiation. But I think many companies do use it as a prop, as a marketing element. And we had some examples in our piece and today's consumers, as much as they're motivated by purpose, can I think also they're a lot more aware of where brands are inauthentic. And I think that can come back to bite them. Okay. So our challenge in the article is that it's not a cure-all. It's not a silver bullet. It's not a marketing device. It has to be really authentic and it has to be woven, inextricably woven to your business and your strategy. Mm -hmm. And because of ESG, I would posit that more and more companies are looking to sort of anchor on a cause, an issue, but not really think about it in the broader business context. Um, you, you had mentioned that your purpose doesn't necessarily need to be tied to social good in all cases. Do you yeah. think that's one of the things that some organizations get wrong that they just they you know they feel like they have to have they have to make that connection even if it doesn't make sense for their business? I absolutely do. And you know, I I don't want to sort of speak for Jonathan, but I think all four of us felt like not only do you not have to sort of save the world, but actually doing your business really well should be enough. And that means treating your employees well, making sure you're delivering for your clients, obviously delivering for your shareholders, mm -hmm. having a really important place in the communities, but often in B2B. I mean, I was CMO of a company that safeguarded assets for people. You might not necessarily sort of set the world on fire with that or go home and say, this is my societal cause, but ultimately, we're helping people save for retirement, you know, protect their assets. But I think for State Street, it was let's do that really, really well. And as a fiduciary, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have that broader sort of societal cause. And I, I do think, Ken, that many companies 
are overreaching for that in categories where it simply doesn't apply and make mm-hmm. sense. And I think, you know, the Hellman's example that Jonathan touched on and not to beat them up, but, you know, this idea that it's all about sort of food waste it sort of in a way defies logic, but ultimately the purpose of something like mayonnaise is to make food taste better. And oh, by the way, that's great. Mm-hmm. That that should be enough. But you know, Jonathan, I know you have strong views there. No, you've said it, you've said it perfectly, and it dovetails into a question that I kind of have for Ken's audience, which is does your category define the nature of the purpose you can have? Because as as Hannah says, if you're making good tasting food, then surely that is that is enough. If you're making, you know, responsibly sourced and long lasting clothing, surely that's enough. And I think we often as marketers, and I put myself in this camp, to, uh, you know, we chase differentiation. And it's absolutely true that a socially responsible positioning in any category is a good strategy for at least one company to adopt. So Patagonia has kind of marked out that territory in clothing. And if you're North Face, just don't go there because you haven't got the credentials to do that. Mm-hmm. Dove has done that in you know, body wash and, and self-care products. If you're another marketer, unless you've got credentials like a, a, you know, that, that it's only organic, materials that go into your product don't go there except the the purpose that your category serves mm-hmm. you know it worries us that certain categories have been given a free pass on purpose i mean if you're in clean energy god bless you i mean you it's a social good so mm-hmm. uh, you've got a wonderful but you don't even need to think very hard about your, your purpose if you're in healthcare well you're improving Health. I mean, nobody is, you know, this is motherhood and apple pie. But if you're in carbon-based energy, if you're in, you know, ball bearing manufacturing, if you're in sort of logistics, you know, it's not obvious that there is a higher purpose than that your your category serves. So a purpose-driven positioning may be available to one company in the category, but not necessarily all companies in the category. This question is for for either of you. Would you say that it's more difficult for B2B companies than B2C to activate a a true purpose? I don't think so. I I think some of the very best examples of truly purpose-driven companies Mm -hmm. are, are in the B2B space. I mean, we've talked a certain amount about you know, I think SAP are doing a fantastic job in this in Great. this realm, partly because there's a modesty about what they're doing. They're saying what we do doesn't really matter. What we help our customers do, that really matters. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not sure that it's harder for, for B2B. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it is it. What it boils down to, in my view, Ken, is a real sort of understanding of of what your role is and the benefits that your business delivers. And I think B2B probably has to think about that more pragmatically than the sort of B2C, which, as, as you know, and you sort of covered extensively throughout the work, 
you know, the retail brands have to constantly evolve and change and chase the zeitgeist. And I think that is less um, of a pressure among B2B. So in many ways, I might say B2C is a little harder because it's also exposed to a much brighter light. And I think, you know, one of the things that we were interested in, Ken, or are interested in is the changing relationships that companies are having with their stakeholders, particularly sort of post-pandemic. And almost this anthropomorphization of companies as sort of emotional, organic entities, which I think crosses both B2B and B2C, when in fact, and not to be sort of you know, callous, but in fact, companies are there to deliver economic returns. Mm -hmm. And when we imbue these sort of human characteristics, noble purpose, North Star, I think get things get very sort of complicated and confusing. And so I, I do think that um, B2B can have all three types of purposes or a mix of, you know, two of the three. Hello, Beyond Profit listener. If your business is finding it challenging to define its purpose, I encourage you to download Discovering Brand Purpose, a complimentary playbook from the ANA Center for Brand Purpose. This robust playbook provides valuable advice from purpose experts on how to uncover the why of your business and ensure it's authentic and sustainable. You can download the playbook at ana.net slash brand purpose. That's ana.net slash brand purpose. Now, back to the show. Well, let's talk about those three types of purposes. I'm going to go back to Jonathan here. Tell me a little, uh, if you could just expand a, a bit about the, you know, the differing nature of these three senses and why any of them can create a meaningful why. Well, I think there are great examples of all, all three. And it, it does refer, Ken, back to what I was saying about your category may determine what kind of a purpose it's most credible for you to have. It doesn't completely close out other forms of purpose. But mm -hmm. for instance, so a competence-based purpose is really what do we do? So, you know, Mercedes does this nicely by first move the world. I mean, mm -hmm. they are a transportation <laughs> provider and claiming that, that there's a, a, you know, a broader societal good, it's just less important than, than doing the, their job as well as they possibly can. You want excellence in competence is really that's what that's what that category of purpose is about. And interestingly, your listeners may may know Dan Pink's book called Drive, where he talks about the three human motivators being autonomy, mastery, and purpose. These are the three things we care about, being king or queen of our own castle, developing expertise, mastery in a subject, and, and finding meaning. And so competence is really that middle thing. It is mastery. We are the very best aerospace company or oil drilling company or accounting firm. The second type of, uh, of purpose is, is this, uh, what you might refer to as purposeful. It's much more about how you do what you do, not necessarily what you do or even why you do it. And so the, these companies would be something like Zappos, which is the example we give in the, in the article, which is to, I think it's to live and deliver wow. And, you know, they, they're a shoe retailer. 
I mean, it, it, there's no particular, they have a functional purpose, but they, you know, we sell shoes probably isn't the, <laughs> the most motivating, but this idea that there is a special way of recognizing both the people who work for them and the people who buy from them mm-hmm. becomes a really powerful source of, of a culture-based purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we call that that the second C is, is mm-hmm. culture. And then there's the type of purpose that we don't really need to talk about because it's talked about so much, which is the sort of Patagonia in business to save our planet or Tesla, you know, transitioning the world to, to sustainable energy. But we hear so much about those types of purpose that we forget that probably the majority of companies don't have that option open to them because... Okay their contribution to the world is just to be as excellent and as ethical in the way they do their business as as possible. Not only do I wholeheartedly agree, but I think that just because you don't necessarily have a cause purpose doesn't mean that you shouldn't, as Jonathan said, be the best at what you do. And it doesn't give you a free pass in the ESG realm either. But I think where sort of ESG and cause gets conflated is where things get dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because I think then ESG can be, become more performative than it is a substantial embedded in the business. You know, I think the way that sort of Unilever thinks about looking at every sort of aspect of its sort of supply chain, it's not just a tick box, it's how they've changed their business Mm -hmm. to really sort of enable their commitments from an overall ESG perspective. So I think that that last one cause it is a small subset of companies and it can't be used as a sort of you know, synonym or supplant for ESG commitments. And I'd like to stay with you. One of the key recommendations in the article is don't delegate purpose to the marketing department alone. Why is that? I'd like to apologize on behalf of CMOs everywhere from making that statement, but it comes from the heart. So first of all, you know, marketers will race toward a purpose. It's like a siren song or catnip because it can often afford an opportunity for a great degree of creativity and sort of strategic thinking and all of that good stuff. But I think the problem lies in the fundamental fact that purpose is a business equation. And I think the more that marketing can be embedded in the business and an engine of the business, Mm -hmm. and not just a sort of service, forgive me, to sort of window dress and drive differentiation, the better it will be. And more and more, Ken, I think we're seeing sort of marketing or agencies being brought in to define a purpose or to um, bring a purpose to life. I think marketing have a very key role to play. They have a very important voice of the client, understanding of that outside in. But I think when we were developing the article, we saw it as something of a symptom that you were going down the sort of primrose path of purpose posturing if you are having it be a marketing exercise. Mm-hmm. And I equate it a little bit, Ken, to as sort of marketing organizations develop, they began to encompass more internal communications. And I'm a huge believer in that because I think having a fully integrated marketing function is essential. But often marketing, we're also getting tapped to do things like values for an organization. And it's 
a worrying trend because if values and purpose become the stuff of screensavers and sort of posters and taglines, the less likely it is that they become truly embedded in the business of the business. Mm -hmm. And I think what we argue in the article is that purpose requires a multi-stakeholder approach and it requires that leaders are sort of fully engaged and bought in and that you're considering it in the holistic context of the business, which, oh, by the way, is probably an, a sort of personal manifesto for me about marketing being an engine of business and being a revenue as opposed to a cost center and being part of that overall equation. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they don't have a role, but it can't be their sole responsibility. So Jonathan, you said you're a marketer at heart, so I'd love you to weigh in as well. <laughs> Good. Well, well, my background was uh, began in finance, then then went into consulting and then mm-hmm. went into brand consulting because, you know, I desperately care about the human dimension of business. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, Lord knows we spend enough of our lives at work. We, we should, work should be meaningful and it should be, uh, you know, a force for good. But business is hard. And, uh, you know, I think that people, uh, well, I'd encourage your listeners to remember that, that companies are not people. They don't, they don't mm-hmm. intrinsically have a purpose other than to ensure their own survival. And, and that's true for a company, and it's, it's especially true for a brand. Mm-hmm. And the way that they ensure their survival is they broker the interests of their key stakeholders. That is what businesses and brands do. Get too far ahead of where your your consumers are, and you lose your job as a CEO. As uh, you know, as, as Danone found out, or you get mayonnaise on your face. As uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so that, that job of brokering the interests. So we absolutely see purpose as part of strategy. And so it's not in a human context, you know, our purpose transcends our lives. Our calling gives, determines the path we take of our lives. That's not how it works with companies. Companies' purpose is subordinate to strategy and a key part of strategy. And, and Hannah said it really elegantly that we need, it is this multi-stakeholder. So rather than looking outside and and subcontracting your purpose to an agency as as you know the five steps of that we recommend companies follow are really internally driven get together the business functions that have a stake in purpose sure that's going to be marketing it's going to be hr it's going to be the esg function if you have one and it's going to be the finance function people forget that you know, ultimately, finance doesn't fund things that it doesn't think will generate a positive ROI. Mm-hmm. So we it, begin there is is really our our key recommendation, and recognize that that the biggest tool we have to change corporate behavior is how we behave as consumers, how we be- act as as employees. And the Great Resignation is a wonderful example of this. I mean, that is putting pressure on companies to be responsible in a way that no amount of naming and shaming can do. When people literally don't want to work for you, then then you've got a problem. You know, why must purpose be anchored in business strategy? Because every facet from a company point of view has to be 
embedded and rooted in strategy. It has to begin with how do we create superior outcomes for all of our stakeholders? And the nucleus of that is strategy. And from that strategy, I believe you derive your purpose. And the two are inextricably linked and aligned. But the minute you sort of unhook or unmoor and going back to our sort of previous conversation around purpose becoming a sort of uh, marketing device, I think the bigger the gap is between how you function as a company and what you espouse externally. And that gap as we sort of commented with uh, consumers becoming far more aware, employees becoming far more aware of this is what you say externally, but in fact, the how I feel as an employee and the experience that I have is completely disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to vote with my feet. So in my mind, it all has to be inextricably linked and embedded. And another thing I would say, Ken, is that the business outcomes that you want to deliver will dictate the decisions that you make and the behaviors that you model throughout a company. It's far more likely to come from the business strategy, although that sounds um, counterintuitive, than it is going to come from a higher calling or purpose. And I think that's why it has to be sort of fully enmeshed and embedded. Companies go through annual uh, you know, semi-annual reviews of their strategy. And I think when we talk about those sort of stakeholder groups and really reviewing where they are on the purpose journey, it has to begin there. One of the key insights from the article is that brand purpose does not exist in the way that we would like to believe. So what are we getting wrong about it? It, it is just simply this, this point that we that brands are commercial constructs. They exist to sell. And we project a lot of, uh, Hannah's referred to sort of anthropomorphism onto this, mm-hmm. but we remember that the job of a brand is to be useful to a set of target customers. And some of those customers are motivated by social purpose. Some of them are motivated by status. All of us are motivated by usefulness and convenience and so on. But the, the brand exists to create uh, to reflect and direct the the, the interests of of its consumers, mm-hmm. so you know the the Nike story is I think probably the one that I'd like to focus on because it's the one that I hear mistold so often that this was a brave move by Nike to to stake out to say that that standing for something well in. Colin Kaepernick's words standing for 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 something is important if even if it means risking everything mm-hmm. uh, you know that was not Nike's strategy Nike's strategy realized that you know to be or authentically to serve the customers that it really cared about they cared about racial justice Nike didn't they cared about serving their customers and it was a fantastic move to attract a new generation of consumers to Nike brand and ditch, you know, people like me who, if they're lucky, they sell one pair of sneakers a year to. So it gets told as though this that the motivating 
factor in this was taking a stand. It wasn't, it was strategy, and it was a brilliant, brilliant execution of a strategy in a way that, you know, Gillette failed to realize that that was the cause. So they then staked out a cause of toxic masculinity that was a really important cause, but they didn't have, they least of all having, you know, had and traditional alpha males as their spokespeople for, for 30 years, Thierry, Henri, David Beckham, Tiger Woods. I mean, you cannot get more archetypal males. And then to have Gillette telling you that toxic masculinity was the thing that they most cared about, it was just, no, no, that was not a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those two are actually, uh, and of course, the, the, those were about the time that you sent that you founded the Center for Brand Purpose. I think it was happening in the sort of 2018 timeframe. But to me, those were really two good examples of one who began from a position of, of strategy and understood the growing importance of really being responsible businesses. And another that you know saw strategy or saw social cause as a way of creating differentiation in a product area where they were being challenged by the likes of Dollar Shave Club and and Harry's. And this seemed to be like a differentiation-based strategy. Yeah, I, I would just sort of add to that, Ken, that I think the other, we talk about the competence-based um, and, you know, the sort of cause. And I think the culture piece is incredibly important as well, because that is an anchor for purpose is probably one of the most important elements that companies need to get right. And it's also where you can see the most yawning gap. We talk in the piece about WeWork, and I think their purpose was to elevate the world's consciousness. Now, I'm sure we're all feverishly looking at the Netflix, I think the mockumentary that's happening now about, you know, the the true sort of, you know, cynicism with which we have to sort of read that given the you know, I would say, relatively speaking, a pretty large debacle. But I think those that the culture and behaviors and how that sort of really manifests is probably one of the most important elements when you're sort of considering the sort of purpose equation. And again, that goes back to business strategy and ultimately, you know, the sort of commercial outcomes that you're trying to drive for. Um, you both uh, believe strongly that businesses should aim to be purposeful rather than purpose-driven. And I know those those words are thrown out quite often. So tell me the difference in, in, in why you believe, you know, that, that purposeful is the way to go. Well, I think that it is the essence of business to be deliberate and intentional because business is hard. It's really hard to broker the interests of so many constituencies, customers, employees, you know, local communities, regulators, society at large. And you've got to be very intentional about how you behave and the way that you align those interests. Mm-hmm. So purposeful is the is the name of the game. Purpose driven, uh, you know, we, we contrast that by suggesting that there is a purpose that transcends strategy and strategy somehow has to force fit into this pursuit of a North Star that exists independent of your context and independent of your history as a business. We just think that that's that's a risky way to go because that's not really what businesses are designed to to do. 
Yeah, and I think our, our concern just building on that is if you're spending your energies looking up for that North Star, you may be missing the real story of what's going on on planet Earth and the difference that you can make. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think the work um, that the ANA Center for Brand Purpose has done in really providing a much better vocabulary and sort of thought leadership around this will, will you know, hopefully help companies navigate the right path. But it, I think in this sort of, as we're emerging from this pandemic, and there is a different relationship being forged with both customers and employees and all stakeholders and different expectations, I think there is a danger that people veer off up into the skies, everybody looking for this sort of higher purpose and it not necessarily being the right area of focus or the right answer for the business. I want to give you both a chance to provide any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up. I'll start with you, Jonathan. Well, I'm going to pick up on something Hannah just said, because I I think the the interview you did with Amy Williams at Good Loop Mm -hmm. is such a good example of this, that here's somebody who was, you obviously cared about business being a, a force for social good, but ultimately, what she's come up with is this, uh, you know, she's made it very easy for businesses to do the right thing. Right. It's a really practical approach to, you know, how do you do media placement in a way that that is as responsible as you as the brand owners claim they want their entire business to be. So I think that that's probably my concluding thought that ultimately purpose is about how you change the behavior of a business. Mm-hmm. And as Hannah says, sometimes that involves looking down rather than up. I would just add, Ken, that I think there's two factors of purpose that are incredibly important. One is, does it create the alignment? And when we're talking about alignment, it's across all of those sort of stakeholder gro- groups, both internal and external. Can it be um, a galvanizing force of alignment? But probably the most important thing for me and I would end on is, is it authentic? Mm. Because I think the thing that people want more than anything else today in a world where it's easy to change everything is authenticity. Mm. And I think that's a expectation and something that companies should be focused on delivering. Thank you. Thank you both for joining me in Beyond Profit. I truly appreciate all the insight and perspective that you offered today. Well, Ken, I want want to say that it's a pleasure to be here. This is such an important topic and it's a place in which marketers have such an important role to play. So, So thank you. Yeah, I would agree with that. And thank you for all the work you're doing on the podcast and in the center, because I think it is really making a difference. Thank you. I appreciate that. To read What is the Purpose of Purpose, please visit hbr.org. That's hbr.org. If you would like to recommend a guest for this podcast or a topic, please email me at brandpurpose at ana.net. That's brandpurpose at ana.net. Until next time, thanks for listening.